Father, we just want to talk to you now and tell you just in a prayer that when we got the line and just the first slide that was on the screen and it says, you have been so, so good to me. I just about undid me. And I just thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, I just thank you for those of us in the room that can say we've walked in that goodness, we've experienced it. We've seen you, we've seen you work on our behalf, and we've seen you work around us. And Lord, I just want, for all of us today who have been able to experience your goodness, that as we walk through this message today, just to be a reminder of how good you are. I just want to pray for anyone in the room who's struggling today with just this concept of God being good, that you are good. Uh, that each one of us would just be drawn to see you in a more clear perspective. That we would be able to embrace you as you describe yourself. And then as we walk in faith with you, then we get to experience you and we get to know that you're the God you talk about in your word. We thank you, and I just pray you speak to every one of us today, and just look so look forward to have communion here in a moment, and we get to celebrate what Jesus has done for us, and it's in his name we pray, amen. All right, you can have a seat, that'd be great. I want to welcome you this morning, and so glad that you're with us. This is the second week in the series that we're in on the uh, living in God's goodness, or the 23rd Psalm, and um, and so, you know, 23rd Psalm is probably the most famous or most familiar chapter in the entire Bible. And today what we're going to do is we're going to just take some verses from it and we're going to apply it to uh, you and me and how we can live above busyness. And so I'm going to ask us to kind of relate to that in just a little bit. But that's where we're going to go, how we can relate, how we can live above busyness. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to learn from the 23rd Psalm how I can actually relax in God's goodness. I can relax in his goodness, and then we're going to end up receiving communion, which is the ultimate testimony of how we can relax in his goodness, because he's done everything possible for us to be in relationship with him, and we get to celebrate that as we go to communion today. Well, as I was preparing my message this week, I was reminded of a conversation, a conversation I had with my son, Ryan, uh, when he was somewhere around 10 or 11, so fourth to fifth grade, somewhere around that age. We were having dinner together as a family, and we were talking about our day, and at a certain point, I was expressing to him about my day, to the family, about my day, and the things that had gone on, and Ryan just looked at me across the table, and he said these words that uh, I'm going to reflect on and have been reflecting on this week. He said these words, Dad, I don't think I ever want to be a pastor. (laughs) And so I'm like, okay. Inside, I'm going, oh, we'll see what God says, but, <laughs> but then I asked him, why? Why would you never want to be a pastor? And this is what he said. He says, because you have to work too hard. You have to work too hard. Well, I took that in, and I told him at the moment that, sure, a pastor's job is you know, complicated, it's difficult, there's a lot of things that have to be considered. As you go through this, and like what some people th- say, we do work more than one day a week, you know, so it kind of has a lot of work that we get to do. And so that he needed to make sure as clearly as he possible could at some point if God was calling him, whether he would be a pastor or not. Well, that sentence that he said to me, as you can tell, it still resonates with me uh, all these years later. And so he's you know, now 24. And so I was reflecting on that this week. And I realized that that it was a very insightful thing for a fourth or fifth grader to say. But, you know, fourth or fifth graders, they tell us like it is, right? Our children, they tell us like it is many times. And and I thought about what he said, and I realized that, you know, I really do work hard. And there's sometimes I really do work too hard. There are times when I look back on my life and I would say I was truly out of whack, out of balance. Truly was. There are times when I was doing things, and I would just be honest about this, when I was doing things for God, and doing things for God became more important to me than actually being with God, being with Him. There were times when I got confused about 
what was my responsibility at Twin Cities Church and what was his responsibility at Twin Cities Church. I got confused about that sometimes. There were times when I allowed the, the whole idea of performance and the pressures of that approval of people to get in the way of what might have been most important. There are times when, I, honestly, I lost focus, and I let busyness and doing things for God become my identity. So I thought it like this, I'm sure, along the way. If I was busy, then I must have value. If I'm busy, I must have value. If I was busy, then surely God would be pleased with me, right? There are times I know, honestly, that I work myself to the point of exhaustion and burnout. And so as I was reflecting on that, I thought I would ask right now, can anyone else relate to this? Can anyone relate to this? Anybody else find yourself ever run ragged on the treadmill of busyness? I'm sure most of us had. Would you just raise your hand if you think that was you at some point? Others of you are still too tired to raise your hand. So, you know, just <laughs> I understand how it is. Well, Robert Ketchum wrote a book on the 23rd Psalm, and it's an old book. Uh, and so this is really amazing. The book wasn't written, you know, like in, you know, 2005, which would be really old to some of us, uh, or, you know, it wasn't written in the 90s, which would be like ancient for some of us, uh, or the 80s or the 70s. It was actually written in 1953, 1953. And this is what he said, 1953 writer, our bodies are tired. Our hearts are tired. Our nerves are fried. Everything about us is exhausted and tired. We live in a constant and ceaseless whip, is what he said. Constant and ceaseless whip. So if you've been feeling the fatigue and the emptiness that comes from that, or the depression, or the discouragement that comes from living a busy life, I just want to say, this is a great week to be here. It's a great week to be here. And if you're not saying, you're not in that place right now, you're breathing well, you're just so calm and relaxed and... That's because you're letting everybody else do everything for you. Uh, and so, but you may know somebody who needs this message today that you can help them. So I'm going to talk about uh, how to know God is my good shepherd and how that allows me to live above busyness. So I'm going to invite you, if you would, to go ahead and grab these message notes out of your program. They're going to help you as you follow along today. You can open your Bible to Psalm 23. That's where we're going to be, obviously. As we go through that, I'll just say, if you don't own a Bible, we want to give you one. So right up there in the, uh, those doors, there's a, sh a bookshelf against the wall, some Bibles on it. You can just take one. It would be our free gift to you if you wanted to take that today. And while you're doing that, I just want to mention a couple of books. I'm actually going to refer to uh, two of these today, so it might be helpful. Um, the first one is A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm by Philip Keller. Uh, the second one is A Life Without Lack by Dallas Willard. And the third one is Traveling Light by Max Lucado. Some of you may have heard of all three of these. Uh, we have these in our bookstore if you want to look at those, but I just wanted to mention those. And you see them as I mention them in our talk together today. So I'm going to begin with a statement of confident trust that the psalmist who wrote Psalm 119 is talking about, we used it last week, it's kind of the theme for this series. He says this, he says, you are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. So he's saying, I've, I've, I've heard you're good, I've experienced that you're good, now continue to teach me about your goodness to me, and that's what we're asking for in this series. And so that's why it's really important that we understand, if we're talking about God as a good shepherd, it's really important that we understand the kind of the sheep-shepherd theme. We spent a lot of time on that last week, so if you weren't here, you want to go back and actually listen or watch that at some point. Because when we understand that God is our good shepherd, and that he's good to us, and he has our best interest in mind no matter what, then we're able to rest, and we're able to trust him when he says he's actually good. Because this is a big deal. Because as we saw last week, if we lose our confidence in the goodness of God, we end up losing three things. And I've listed them there on your program, but they'll pop up on the screen here. Three things. We lose confidence and we lose our sense of gratitude. So if I don't experience the goodness of God, then I have no reason to you know, be grateful for what he's given me. We lose our contentment. If I lose touch with the goodness of God, then I start looking for all I don't have and I lose my sense of contentment and I lose my sense of hope. Because if God isn't good, then there's actually nothing to look forward to uh, in the future. And I live with despair. And so that's why this verse from Psalm 27, 13, and 14 is so meaningful for us. It says this, the psalmist writes, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 
So he's not saying, I just, I'm you know, going to see the goodness of God in the by and by. I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In my time is what he's saying here. I'm going to experience that. He says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. And so this may be the verse for some of you that you want to you know, copy and put on your refrigerator and your mirror and your car somewhere that you would memorize because it gives you some you know, thoughts about what you would do when you're feeling discouraged or in despair. He says, wait. And how we don't like to wait, do we? We hate to wait. Terrible thing to have to do. But he's saying, you know, there's times when we have to wait for God's goodness to actually show up. Be strong. So I can actually be strong in this place, and I can have courage, and I can wait for him. Psalmist says that because we have faith and belief, and we have this confident trust in the goodness of God, that we can wait with hopeful expectation for what God is going to do next. What he's going to do next. We're talking about one big theme in this, in this series, and Psalm 23 is the antidote to the idea that God is not good. You can't read and believe Psalm 23 and not believe that God is good. It's right there for us to embrace and bring in. And so the psalmist paints a beautiful picture as God is the good shepherd, and when we gaze upon the picture that he's painting, we can say for us, to ourselves, you know what? That's God. If that's God and that God is that good, then I want him as my good shepherd. And so we talked last week about the fact that we need to choose him as our shepherd, that we need to follow him as our shepherd, and we need to trust him as our shepherd. But it's based on the picture that we see from Psalm 23. It's an act of faith. Now, most of us, we are you know, familiar with Psalm 23 because it's often read at funerals. Uh, but Psalm 23 is so much richer than just a chapter of the Bible that will be read at funerals, even though it's very comforting to be read at funerals. Psalm 23 is really about living life. It's about life now. And so I read this. I'm encouraged for the life that I have now. It's all about living in the goodness of God. And when we say the Lord is my shepherd, we're saying the best way to live is to do it with God as my shepherd. So that would mean the alternative is that the most difficult way to live, or the worst way to live, if you want to say it that way, would be to live without him as my good shepherd. The alternative of choosing God as my good shepherd is to have no shepherd, is to have no shepherd. And that means every day, every moment, I must carry the burden, the weight of life on my shoulders. So it's all up to me. Life without a shepherd is a life of worry and desperation never being able to be free, never being able to get off that treadmill of approval because I become my own shepherd. Life without him as the shepherd, I become my own shepherd. Really, I become my own God. I become my own God. And folks, sheep can't be their own shepherd. They will die without a shepherd. We learned that last week, and the same is true for human beings. People cannot be their own gods because when we play God, we are leading ourselves to destruction. That's why it's so important that we say to God, I want you as my good shepherd. I choose you. Now, David, who wrote this psalm, he was a shepherd. We know that about him. And he knew that the fate of any of the sheep, of all the sheep, depended on the goodness of the shepherd and the you know, skill of the shepherd and the alertness of the shepherd and all that he would do, and that they needed to live in the constant care and protection of the good shepherd. Now, Philip Keller, I mentioned his book to you, and this is what he says. He wrote a really cool book about sheep, and he says, sheep do not take care of themselves. They require more attention and meticulous care than any other class of livestock. Okay, with all that as introduction... Let's read Psalm 23, 1 through 2. That's where we're going to be today, the first two verses. And it says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now, as Mark said a while ago, one of the goals is that we'd memorize this. So we're going to read it in you know, uh, the full thing every week, but we're also going to every week just kind of memorize a section. And so we're going to work on that right now together. You're going to work on memorizing this section Last week, we got the first line down, and so it's going to get a little more complicated, especially if you weren't here last week. We're going to test your memorization skills here just for a minute. Here we go. So we're going to read it again. You can read it off the screens. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. You want to do it without the screen? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Okay, we got that part. There we go. Now, some of you may say that's different than you memorize it, or you know what? We're using one translation so we can all say it together out loud. Okay, so it's from the ESV. If you want to go home and download that from the YouVersion Bible app, you can do that. Now, today we're talking about how to rest, how to relax in God's goodness. And so in order to do that, since it's talking about a shepherd sheep you know, kind of theme, we need to understand something about sheep a little bit. And so as we said last week, and uh, it's not flattering in any way, but in the Bible we're compared with sheep. So, okay, so there's, we're the sheep, right? And he's the shepherd. So we're, anytime you hear a sheep, you know that this talking about us, all of us in this room, every one of us. And so Philip Keller, in his book on uh, uh, Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, he says that there's four reasons sheep can't rest. You might want to write these down in your program. They're listed right there. We're going to you know, lines for you to do that. Four reasons that they can't find rest. And the first one is that they, in order for them to rest, they must be free from fear. So there's four things that keep them from resting, four solutions they need. They need to be free from fear. Fear keeps them from resting. And so what would they be afraid of? Predators, uh, this, you know, the thing, other things that would come against them. And as we're going to talk about a little bit food and other kinds of things so that they could be afraid so that they can't rest if they have fear. Second, sheep can't rest unless they're free from emotional tension. I mean, relational tension. And that's more emotional, right? So relational tension. Now, just like you know, many of the other animal groups and bird groups, uh, so sheep live in herds, and you know, birds have a pecking order, right? Well, sheep have a budding order, okay? And so they, would, you know, they, they want to establish who's going to be like the top sheep, uh, and so that they would you know, go at each other and butt heads. And so uh, as two sheep are trying to butt heads with each other to determine who's the, you know, the top sheep, is that the rest of the flocks all like freaking out, you know, because they can't stand the tension uh, that, uh, that there's going on. And so they can't rest because until some, and so the shepherd would come and he would kind of move them apart and it would cause them to be able to be calm at that point. Third is this, sheep can't rest unless they're free from aggravation. Uh, you're going to find that these are going to be all four true for us, right? Free from aggravation. And so uh, sheep were helpless. Uh, there were all kinds of pests that would pester them, right? And so they would come against them. They would cause them aggravation. And so the shepherd had to figure out a way to protect them from itch mites. That just sounds terrible, doesn't it? Itch mites. And so some of you are like, yeah, itch mites, okay? And from blowflies, and so how to protect them from ticks, lice, and I think the worst, nasal flies, so I had to protect them from nasal flies that would lodge up into their nasal passages and lay their eggs. So that, oh, this is gross, right? And they get so aggravated from all this going on that they simply can't rest. So the shepherd has to put, anoint their heads with oil and take care of them with the medicine that he had available. Okay, number four, sheep can't rest unless they are free from hunger, unless their bellies are satisfied. And we're going to look a lot at this today about how they can have their appetites satisfied. And so the role of the shepherd is to just to remove all these distractions, to remove all these difficulties that are keeping the, sh the sheep from being able to rest. And that's what God wants to do with us as well. Our good shepherd wants to take away our fear. Our good shepherd wants to take away the things that are causing us relational tension. I, I don't know about you, but for me, I think some of the most sleepless nights I've had a time when I think I've offended somebody and it's two o'clock in the morning and I'm not about to call them to try to fix it, right? So you lay there in bed all night thinking about how I can resolve this tension that I'm feeling inside. Also aggravations, we have all kinds of aggravations that come against us and then we have hungers, and right? And we're not talking just about physical hunger for us, we're talking about the other things that we would hunger for. So roll the shepherds to remove the conditions that would distract the sheep from the area of the sheep so that the sheep could actually have rest. His job is to protect and to guide and to comfort and provide so that the sheep can find moments where they can breathe and they can rest. So what I want to do is I want to talk for a few minutes today about what these verses say to us about how you and I can rest, how you and I can live above the busyness in our lives based upon what Psalm 23 says to us. And I'm going to go back Back last week, I didn't get to cover as well as I wished I would have had time to do uh, Psalm 23, 1a, 
And so we're going to begin there. But the first idea is this. If I'm going to rest, I must learn to appreciate what I have. I must learn to appreciate what I have. Ouch, right? I must learn to enjoy what I have. I must learn to live in contentment with what I already own, what I already possess in some ways. It says, I shall not want. Some translations say, I have everything I need. And then Dallas Willard, in his book on life without lack, he uses the translation that says, I have no lack. I have no lack. In other words, I have everything. The, here, the idea here is that because the Lord is the good shepherd who's caring for me because he's promised to do that, this is where that trust, the whole thing came from last week. Why well, I've spent so much time talking about what it's going to require from us. It requires trust because the Lord is the good shepherd. He's caring for me. Then if I really trust him, I can be grateful and joyful with what I have today. Instead of living, thinking if I had this, or if I had that, or this, and that, and this, and that, that I'd be happier in some way. We all know that's just a never-ending cycle. Never changes. So we can live with contentment, and we don't have to be driven by unsatisfied desires. We can just have desires, say, okay, this is what I have, and I'm going to be content with this. So what I have to do is I have to learn to replace the desire to acquire with the desire to admire. Got that? I need to learn how to replace the desire to acquire with the desire to admire. I love it. To learn to admire without having to acquire. Yes, that's beautiful new car driving down the road. I am so happy that person gets to drive that car right now. And I admire it in every way, but I don't have to acquire it. And I can enjoy it by looking at it. Now, this is what Dallas Willard says from his book, A Life Without Lack. He says this, a life without lack is a life in which one is completely satisfied and sustained no matter what happens, no matter what happens, last for emphasis, no matter what happens. Satisfaction comes from knowing God as my shepherd. Now, Paul writes about this in Philippians 4. I put some verses here so we can kind of understand the, the kind of the process of coming to... Uh, enjoy what I have, being able to appreciate what I have. He says this, I know what it's like to be in need, and I know what it's like to have plenty. So he's got been in both places. I have learned, learned, you might underline that, circle that, highlight that. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I'd say that means all the time. Any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, that's some of you, that's your refrigerator verse, is I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And so in context, though, it's saying I can be content no matter what when I trust him to give me strength. I can actually learn to be content. I just Contentment isn't normal, is it? It's just not natural. Our natural desire is to want more. And, you know, and really, you know, when you come to why did God say do not envy is because uh, envy is wanting what someone else has and not just wanting what they have, but wishing they didn't have it. Because if they still had it, I wouldn't feel special to me. So kind of the whole idea there. But we can actually learn that. So we're going to be able to appreciate what we have, right? Second, and because if we don't, we're going to be driven all the time to have more and to have what other people have. And we're not going to be able to rest. Second is this. If I'm going to live above busyness, I must make time for rest and relaxation. I must make time for rest and relaxation. No elbows. No elbows now. You've got the person next to you thinking, I told you. I told you you need to rest. I told you you need to take time to relax. Yeah. So the good shepherd, though, here's what he does. Some, some people think that God is this like this taskmaster that's always saying, do more, do more, do more, do more. You got to do more. You got to do more, do more, do more. Actually, God's not that. God says, hey, we're going to talk about this. I want you to practice resting. I want you to practice relaxing in life. And it says this, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Some of you are going, well, what does this have to do with rest? Well, let me tell you what it has to do with rest. I'm going to bust some of your bubbles today. Just want you to know, kind of burst a bubble moment here. And I hate to do this, but I'm going to. For most of my life, when I read this verse, I thought of this when I thought about green pastures. <laughs> Is that what you think about? You think about green pastures? I thought about this when I thought about green pastures. 
Oh, that's right. That's what you think. And so that's so relaxing and so restful. But then a few years ago, I had the privilege of going to Israel. And when I was in Israel, I got to go down into southern Israel around Jerusalem. And I was able to see the terrain. And so it looks more like this. I see some green there, but you know, this picture was actually taken in the spring, just like here in the springtime, we have rains and there's a lot more green. And then just like here, that's about two months run and then everything browns up. So what, and then I saw this picture, oh my, you know, this is not what I imagined with the green patches. And then I got an understanding of, of shepherds and what shepherds would do is they, they were like, you know, the weather gurus of their age. And so they, they knew all about the environment. They knew all about uh, patterns of moisture. And so they were able to figure out when there would be dews that would come through and when there'd be opportunities for there to be water and then where there would be on the, which side, the hillside, that there would actually be little shoots of grass, kind of like this. I think you can see the grass there, right? It's nothing like the other pictures. And let's just show a picture. Here's a close-up. So that's a pasture, a rich pasture right there uh, that he's calling the shepherds to live in. So the shepherd knew all this. And a shepherd knew that the only way a sheep would lie down and be satisfied or free from hunger uh, is if it was actually fed. And so they were saying that the shepherds would you know, make it their, their way to lead the, shirt, the sheep to feed. Now, here's another thing I want to say is that some people read this verse and they say that, you know, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And so the kind of the picture there for some of you, because you've been in churches that actually, you know, every time you went, it was hammering you on what you didn't do or that you need to do more. And they got to this verse and it's like, he makes you lie down and he forces you to lie down and you stupid sheep, you lie down, you know, kind of like that. But that's not at all what this is saying. That's not at all what this is saying. The idea here is the shepherd is a smart guy, and he knows his sheep very well, and he knows if he, he can't have a fear relationship with them, he needs to have a loving relationship with them. And so what he, the shepherd, knew is that he needs to provide them opportunity where they could eat so they could be satisfied, and only when a sheep is satisfied will they what? Lie down. Will they lie down? Only then. So he would provide an environment for the sheep to be fed so that at a certain point, the sheep would actually lie down. Now, the idea here for us is, is that God wants us to get our proper rest. But when God calls us to rest, he's not making us rest. In fact, we're going to read a Ten Commandment right now. And once again, people come to the Ten Commandments sometimes and they think it are rules that you have to keep and they pound them into you. But they're really opportunities to be with a good shepherd. And it says this in Exodus 20, it says, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of what? rest dedicated to who the lord your god to your good shepherd on that day no one in your household may do any work and so what he's doing is that i'm inviting you to a picture of life to a rhythm of life that if you were to engage in that you would be able to find yourself satisfied because you're trusting god and you see how he takes care and meets your needs and then you can literally take a full 24 segment of time off and you can say i'm going to rest with him and i'm not calling it a day off because a day off i can compromise i'm calling it a sabbath because i'm doing this for god that's what he calls us to and our good shepherd, God knows what we need for relaxation, and Sabbath was the way he designed it to be. And it's when we observe a true Sabbath that we actually get physical rest, spiritual rest, emotional rest, all the different ways we need to rest. So I told Kim, as I was thinking about this this week, I read you know, the, the commandment there, the fourth commandment, I said, here's, the, here's what I see here. We, at, for our Sabbath, we rest from work so that we can then and, and is two things, and we rest for work. So some of us, we come to the Sabbath, we think, oh, it's just about resting from work. Ha, 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 ha. But you know what? At the same time, we're resting for the next run. That's why we need the Sabbath. That's why some of us don't have any energy, why we're running and we have, we're overwhelmed in life and we're burning out and we, it's not sustainable because we're never taking time off. We're trying to find moments to rest, but we're just barely able to do a little bit of energy. And now we don't have the energy to go out and work again. 
We have to work from, we have to rest from work. We have to rest for work. Psalm 127. It is useless for you to work so hard. Ryan was probably talking to me here. So hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives what? Rest to his loved ones. Rest. So I was just thinking about this. I think, oh, wow, how can I make this practical? So I just want to make this practical. Is that today, one of the most spiritual things that you can do today between you and God is for you to go home and take a nap. <laughs> go home and take a nap. And I just want to ask, please don't do it now. <laughs> please don't do it now. Just stay with me for the rest of our time together. And then we have physical rest. We also have spiritual rest. J- Jesus invites you know, his followers into this. He says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find what? Rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus invites us to enter into a life where we let go of control, and we come to him, and we realize that he's not wanting to drive us. He's not wanting to pound us down. He's wanting to because he is our good shepherd. He's wanting to gently woo us into a life that is sustainable. Sustainable as we rest in him. My last idea is this. I have to choose faith over fear. Faith over fear. So I want to kind of help us to understand why I got this or where I got this from by talking about sheep again. Uh, See, another thing about sheep is that sheep are extremely afraid of the sound of moving water, like a noisy stream. They're incredibly afraid of that, uh, and they won't come near it even when thirsty because, you know, even though they're not the sharpest knife in the drawer, they realize that if they were to take a dive into this moving water that they would not come out because the water would soak up into their wool, and then they wouldn't be able to get that out, and they would literally drown like a sponge. And so they didn't, they stayed away from it. And so they, the, what they had to do then is they had to have water that was still. But here's another thing about sheep, because they're not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Another thing about sheep is that they didn't need just any still water because, you know, they're thinking about expediency and they're thinking about getting to water that they would come up and find still water that was stagnant and because it was not, you know, wasn't moving, that they would just start slurping it up and they would get sick and die. So the shepherd, his job was to take them to places like this, just a picture here of a place that he would take them to. So let's go there, right there. That's a picture of well, a well, and uh, there's actually green grass there. But so uh, the shepherd would take them to a place where there was these deep wells and he would draw water out and he'd have a place that he would pour it out and they would drink, but he would also take them to places where they would have, you know, the shepherd would actually dam up water occasionally so that it would flow around, but then the sheep could come in there and they could actually have a drink. So that's what God wants us to, wants to do with us, is he wants to lead us to a place where we're able to move beyond our fear and by faith trust him as our shepherd to come before and drink from the well of life. And trust him, because as long as we have fear, folks, we can't rest. Now, I found this quote this week from a guy named Ronald Rollheiser, and his book is called Prayer, and he's talking about faith and fear. And I just thought this would be so helpful for some of us today. He says this, what opposes faith is not so much worry about this or that particular thing. Wouldn't you think that would be it? Worry would be what opposes faith. He says, that's not what really the problem is. As it is worry that God has forgotten us. That opposes faith. That we aren't in good hands. That our lives aren't safe. And that therefore there is every reason to fear and be anxious. Because at the core of things, there really isn't an all-powerful goodness who is concerned about us. That's what creates Anxiety, anxiety creates fretfulness, frightfulness, and then out of that frightfulness, I take matters into my own hand and I become my own shepherd and sheep can't be their shepherd. I've got to trust God that he's my shepherd and I move beyond fear to faith. 
and walk with him in faith. And we trust God as our good shepherd. We realize that we can move away now from this life of frantic activity where we run around and we're trying to you know, frantically control all the things, all the circumstances, everything in our life. This is what Isaiah says in Isaiah 40. He says, do not fear for I, this is God's promise, our good shepherd, I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Another refrigerator memory verse to help us as we're struggling with fear and faith at this point. So the point of Psalm 23 is that God is good and God is with you. He is caring. He's a good shepherd. And he looks out over his sheep those who are in his flock, he provides for them, he leads them to rest, he protects them, and therefore there's nothing to be anxious about. And therefore, we can rest. So here's the key idea. Let me give you the key idea. You want to write this down? The secret of slowing down is to trust God to provide all I need. It's to trust God to provide all I need. So, folks, either God is your shepherd and you have all you need, or he's not, and your problems are bigger than you think they are. Either he's your shepherd and you have everything you need, or he's not, and your problems are bigger than you think they are. So all throughout this series, we're going to talk about Jesus, and he talks about himself as being the good shepherd. And he came to become our good shepherd. He acts as our good shepherd. And one of the supreme acts of sacrificial love that Jesus performed for us to show us his love was to die on the cross, to take care of his sheep. And that's what this verse says from John 10, 10. It says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. See, folks, you will only make Jesus your shepherd when you see him as the good shepherd and you trust him that he gave his life for you. Gave his life for you. As a good shepherd, he gave his life so that you could have life and you could have life without lack, life with rest, life without fear. And you will only know Jesus as your good shepherd when you make him your shepherd. So what we want to do now, we want to have a time of communion. We're going to come together and we're going to remember what Jesus has done for us when he went to a cross. And at that moment, he was able to make it possible for us to be brought into God's flock, family, where we became part of God's big flock. Jesus and God, same thing here. And Jesus made it possible for us to be in his family. So our ushers are moving into place, and what they're going to do is they're going to uh, pass out some plates to us, and on the plates are going to be little cups, and there's also going to be little uh, pieces of bread. And what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to take one of those uh, cups and one of those pieces of bread, and I'm going to ask you to take it and hold it, and I'm going to ask you to pray and just be talking to God about resting in him, talking to God about what he would want to show you today, about what you've heard today. You can use your message notes. You can look back through those. That verse from John 10 will be on the screen. You can look that as a moment of meditation. So our ushers are going to go ahead, and they're going to serve us. And as they serve us, then we're going to be able to sit. And I just ask you not to talk to the people around you. Please don't text right now. Please just sit and just let the service come into you. Let the music, we're going to listen to a song in just a few moments. And that song is just going to be an invitation. Whoever you are, wherever you've been, you can come to Jesus. You may not think so today. You may not think that he would ever accept you or receive you. But he said on the cross, I've made it possible for every man, every woman, every child to come to me. Anyone who will humble their knee before me, I will invite in. So in a minute, I'm going to come back and help us to uh, have this communion moment together.
on the night that Jesus was going to be betrayed, he came to his disciples and he said that he, one of my favorite phrases in the entire New Testament is, he came to them and said, I have so desired to eat this meal with you. And I feel that every time I sense it, and I want you to, is that Jesus would say that to you today. You can come to his altar. You can come to him, and he wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to be your good shepherd. He wants to give you life, and he wants to give you rest in him. And then he said to them, he took some bread, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. And he says, eat this and remember it to me. Let's do that. juice and he poured it into a cup and then he handed it to them and he said this juice represents my blood which will be shed for you and he says drink this and remember me we thank you Jesus oh Jesus I pray thou that as we've had communion today as we've been with you we've heard this description of the good shepherd knowing that that's the relationship you want with us that each one of us today would be drawn into intimacy, drawn into want to walk with a good shepherd like you. We know what it means to be able to talk to you, to express our thoughts, our feelings, our fears, our worries, and that we would also be able to then express our hope. That we wouldn't just get stuck in that down cycle, but we would look to you and say, but in you, Jesus, all things are possible. And I want to trust in you. I want to walk with you. And now I pray that you would help each of us today to understand what it's like to live above busyness and to live with him as our good shepherd. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.